There has literally been construction going on all day yesterday. Aside from the dog behind my house barking all day long and howling, I'm... So I did not record this episode yesterday. It is now Thursday at 1 p.m. And I'm trying really hard to get this episode out, but they're still doing construction next door. I'm just gonna suck it up and do it. And if you guys hear stuff going on, please just ignore it because I can't. So for me, please help me by ignoring it so that I can hopefully ignore it too. This week has been full. It's been full of a lot of good things. I think I had like the best day ever yesterday. Not like your typical best day ever, but I just felt so productive and a lot of things that I had been waiting to happen finally happened. And it just like, I remember sitting in my little breakfast nook with a coffee, just like taking a deep breath, feeling like, I don't know, 50 pounds lighter because I didn't have this stress just like sitting on top of my shoulders and I feel like it was just such a weight for a long time. Nothing super serious, but it's just stuff that's been like on my to-do list and kind of stopping me from getting other things done that are really important to me until they kind of happen. So yeah, um, yesterday I sold my car. I had a Ford Fiesta that I bought in 2019. It's actually the first car I ever bought on my own. And then I paid it off within the year and I've been just kind of, I just had it for like the last three years. I don't know. Yeah. Since 2019 to now, it's been about three full years, 2019, 2020, 21. Yep. Yep. Three years. Um, and a year ago I got a new car, a Honda HRV because I drive a lot for work. I do a lot of road trips and with wedding photography, I'm like constantly driving from San Diego up to like Santa Barbara or to Joshua tree, or it's like Arizona. I even went down to Mexico last weekend or like two weekends ago. So there's just a lot of driving and I just wanted something a little bit bigger, something that felt a little bit safer. So I got this Honda last year and so I've just kind of had the Ford as well. And while I was in Arkansas, it was nice. It worked out because when I came back to California for work, I had the Ford. But now that I'm back here... I definitely don't need two cars. Um, I honestly felt kind of extra having two cars with my lifestyle. Just don't need it. So I sold it. But that's enough about boring car stuff. I guess that was just like a really big weight off of my shoulders yesterday. And it just feels so good to be done. Next thing is that I actually decided that I wanted to get a roommate. So I don't know. I think I did mention it in the last in last week's podcast, but Noah and I are neighbors and I'm in this two bedroom house and there's a lot of space and there's definitely room for someone else. Plus having a roommate would cut costs quite a bit, which always sounds really nice, especially living in San Diego where gas is like six dollars. Um, so I ended up finding a roommate and she came over yesterday and it was super cool. She's sounds like an awesome girl. I'm really excited to have somebody else I don't know what to live with. I've never had a roommate before, and I know I've heard a ton of horror stories and stuff, but to be honest, I am excited to have some company, and I think it'll be great. So that was something else that felt really good to kind of get over and done with yesterday. Hopping right on into my current favorites, I said that I wanted to start doing this last week, and I think I'm just going to keep it going because it's kind of fun. I'm looking around my, I was looking around my place this morning trying to figure out what I could possibly say is my current favorite, like something that I've actually been using constantly, and this has been a favorite for way longer than just this week, but my Nespresso machine has carried me through highs and lows. It has carried me through states across the United States of America, and it is 
been a real constant in my life, you guys. And that sounds silly, but honestly, it, it is such a money saver. If you're somebody who goes to Starbucks every day or goes to get coffee somewhere every day or even like has a coffee machine at home, I don't really know how much it compares to like having a like a drip coffee machine. That's probably fine if you have one of those. But I personally was somebody who went out all the time and got coffee before my errands or before I went to a photography thing and I always had a coffee with me and I feel like I just kind of got into the habit of, I don't want to call it an addiction, but... <laughs> I, it was definitely a habit, um, but I got an espresso machine probably like a year ago, and I, no joke, use it every single day. It saves me so much money because I think going out to get a coffee is like $5, but one coffee is technically a dollar or a little bit more if you have an espresso machine, a Nespresso machine. It's so close to say espresso or Nespresso. I feel like that was intentional by them because now every time I hear somebody say an espresso machine, I hear Nespresso in my head. But yeah, I use it every single day. I went to the Nespresso store in San Diego a couple days ago with Noah and we both got like three or four sleeves of coffees and it was like $40 versus $5 for a coffee, 40 coffees. I mean, you guys can do the math. I can't at the moment. Honestly, 10 out of 10 would recommend getting an espresso machine or just an equivalent coffee maker or espresso maker. I personally just like Nespresso because of how affordable the pods are and you they're recyclable. Um, I don't know the extent to which they're recyclable. I don't know exactly what happens to them after you give them back to the Nespresso store, but I do appreciate that they have an option to recycle the pods. So if that's like a concern of yours, then you can like totally look into it. But I do recycle the pods when I can, when I have one of the bags. So yeah, I really like Nespresso. There's a whole bunch of options. Also not an ad. <laughs> Sounds like an ad to me. Okay, I couldn't think of an unpopular opinion, so I have Noah here who's gonna crap on something for me because I don't want to. <laughs> hey guys, how's it going? I'm come not gonna. Closer, come I'm, closer. I'm not gonna crap on no, anything. No, no, right here. Right here. Yeah, to the side. Right here. Yeah, right there. Hey guys, what's up? <laughs> Hi Noah. Hi. <laughs> um, what? Unpopular opinion. An unpopular opinion. Mm-hmm. So. I went so I so I went to uh, Paris one time for well two times but one time I went for a week and uh, it was just way too long and um, I just don't really like Paris that much um, because it's a really dirty city it's an oh, awesome oh no you can't say that I can't are you gonna take this you out say dirty city. well actually I've heard that before I've heard that people don't pick up dog poop well there's so in Europe there's not public restrooms very many places and so people just you know pee on the streets what a, a <laughs> lot a lot of places yeah they pee on the streets so it's not just like it's not just like an open view but like down alleyways and stuff oh so it smells like pee it's a little bit it's a little bit gross I, I don't want to I don't want to disqualify Paris it's a beautiful city and it's really cool to go maybe like for, doing things other than just like downtown yeah go i mean that's just my preference too i don't i'm not a huge fan of cities i like i like suburbia yeah and i like you like suburbia countryside yeah countryside uh, like we're in germany where we're gonna go is it countryside or is it suburbia it's major countryside the town so the town is the town is uh five thousand population and then uh 
and then we're close to like big cities i guess but like it's really nice being like 20 or 20 minutes away from basel switzerland which is a big international city because it doesn't smell like pee <laughs> yeah exactly exactly because <laughs> because people pee in the fields or their, so your, or their toilets at so home so your bread that comes from the wheat <laughs> like pee. Oh, this pee. made a full circle so now we're eating our pee huh? Ew. <laughs> oh my god no so i i don't i don't like want to just girl we talked to the other week who said she went swimming in the water reservoir <laughs> oh yeah by accident you don't want to do that. No. Know where you're swimming. Yeah, if it's fenced off, it's probably fenced off for a reason. Yeah. I met, we met this girl last week who said they went swimming in a drinking water pond, and now I'm filtering all my water. Wait, drinking water pond? Yeah, it was like one of the water reservoirs for Oh, yeah, San yeah, Diego. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got my Brita filter out <laughs> after that. Left. It was like we were going around in a circle sharing like our highs and lows, and... Everyone was laughing at each other's answers, and then she said that, and nobody, nobody laughed. <laughs> I looked at Asia, I was like, eyes wide. Oh, so your unpopular opinion is Paris. Well, it's, 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 <laughs> no, I think my, if I had any advice to give, I would say, go for like three days. To the city? To the city, but then explore like the unpopular places. You know okay, what I mean? So like the lesser known places. Yeah, like go to Versailles. Oh, I would love to go to Versailles. Like go to Versailles and I feel then like, like there's a lot of history in Versailles. There is. Isn't there a palace? There's in a Versailles? huge palace. Okay, let's go to Versailles. I don't care about the city. Yeah. I well, go to the Versailles is kind of a city too, but it's like a smaller area. There's no castle in Paris, though, is there? I don't know. There's a lot of insanely huge cathedrals and in Paris. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many tourist attractions in Paris. That's, that's the thing, people though. Go. That's the tourist attractions yeah. that are really... I mean, I want to see them one day, but I don't want to make a trip to Paris just to go see all the touristy stuff. Yeah. I want to go to the outskirts, like kind of what we're doing this summer. Right. Like we're not going to any big touristy places. Yeah, yeah. Well, some. Not huge, but some. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well thank you for your unpopular opinion. You are welcome anytime. <laughs> I'll have you on every week. Awesome. Actually, that'd be so funny if you just came on for the unpopular opinions. <laughs> yeah, sure. just the resident hater. I'll start thinking of some. <laughs> we'll think of some for next week or you should write them down. I will. Okay. All right, cheers. Over and out. Bye. Okay, I was not at all prepared to have Noah come on. I only have one microphone set up, which is probably why I, I'm going to guess I sound super far away in that last clip, but I hope you guys enjoyed having him come on. Did not mean to like totally like crap on Paris. I still want to go one day and I want to go downtown and see all of the touristy things. Like I said, um, he's just, he grew up in Europe, so he's kind of, I guess he has a different perspective on the cities. And <laughs> as soon as we stopped recording that, he's like, shoot, I feel like I just dissed all of Europe. And I was like, no, I don't think you did. I think that's just your opinion. But yeah, I would definitely want to have him come on more. I think it's fun. It's also just nice for me to have someone else to kind of bounce off of which I think I mentioned in the last episode going solo is it's like I really feel like I'm just sitting here talking to myself that is exactly what it feels like it feels like I'm looking in the mirror and having a conversation with myself and when I laugh I'm laughing at my own jokes like that's just kind of how it feels doing a podcast by myself but I think the next thing on the list is a reset check. Um, currently, well, all day, I have this whole to-do list, you guys, and this just goes to show, like, I woke up this morning and 
I thought to myself, you're going to be productive. You're going to do things. And so far, I've booked my ticket to Europe that we were talking about. We're going to go to Europe this summer and um, booked another ticket for when we're within Europe, like EasyJet. It's like the airline that takes you from country to country within Europe. And that's literally it. That's all I've done today, and I have this whole to-do list, but one other thing I've done today, and this is also not an ad, I have been researching Newly, which is like a clothing rental store where you go and pay like a monthly subscription, and you get a couple pieces a month to wear, and you return them, and then you pick out new pieces, so I'm kind of looking into that. I'm considering doing it. I co-hosted a workshop back in January, and I think one of the guest speakers was telling us that she uses it and since then I've kind of been considering doing it because it sounds like a nice way to save money if I'm being totally honest and I get really bored of pieces in my closet really quickly so I hate when I go out and buy something and I get bored of it and then I don't wear it and I end up trying to sell it. I just kind of hate that it's not very sustainable and with someone like me who loves change and loves to, I don't know, I love just like new things I guess I just want something that's a little bit more sustainable when it comes to my clothing I'm also trying to find a cute dress for a wedding that I'm going to while we're in Europe and it would be awesome if I could find one with Newly because then I don't have to purchase a new dress I can just wear it and then send it right back which sometimes people do like they buy a dress and then return it and I'm not gonna say I'm not guilty of that but I don't think it is good. I don't think it's right. Um, I think I've done it once. I'm not going to lie, but I don't want to do any. I don't want to do it again. So I think Newly could be cool for that reason, too, because then you have dresses and stuff for like events you can go to. And I don't think there's late fees or spill or like stain fees, which I don't really know how they're working that out because like how are you going to re-rent an item that has a fat stain on it? But I don't know. However, that works is great because it benefits us who use it. So as far as life updates are concerned, I am going to get my eyebrows microbladed tomorrow at like 2.30 p.m. My friend, Brittany, she's a friend of a friend and I've gone to her before. I got like an eyelash perm where they like a tint and perm done once with her and then I also got, what's it called? Um, oh my gosh. I got a brow lamination by her. Like months ago probably like seven months ago and she did such a good job she reached out like a week ago and offered to do a brow micro needling like the tattooing of the brows on the face and it's not like I, I don't think I need to have this done I have pretty dark eyebrows but they're not super thick it's just like really dark and they're pretty shapely like they are fine but I've always kind of wanted to get my brows micro needled is this what it's called am I saying this wrong microneedling is that something else okay I just looked it up it's definitely called microblading um that's embarrassing <laughs> but I'm going to get my brows microbladed tomorrow and I'm really excited because I have seen other like my some of my friends who've gotten it done and it looks so good on them and I just kind of haven't really gotten it done because I don't know. I've probably put it off. Plus, Brittany is so busy. She like has a ton of bookings. She's like kills it. She's so good at what she does. 
And I kind of just want to continue going to the same person for stuff like that. So when she reached out and offered to do one, I am st- I was stoked because now I get to go and get my brows microbladed, which I've never done before. So let's hope that I'm doing all of the pre microblading instructions correctly there's like there's a lot of rules there's like no caffeine you can't do any AHA um, serums on your face which I actually do like three times a week so I had to not do that and not have coffee 48 hours before getting it done which I don't know if I followed that perfectly but I I think if not 48 hours, definitely like 40 hours. So hopefully everything goes well with that. And there's a couple more directions. Actually, let me just pull it up and read it to you guys because I was not expecting to have as many things that I couldn't do. So it says no caffeine, which includes coffee, soda, tea, no aspirin or alcohol for 48 hours before your appointment. It'll cause excessive bleeding and make it hard for her to do the work. It'll also push out the ink and hurt your retention of the ink. Do not take fish oil, vitamin E, or ibuprofen. 48 hours before the treatment, no Adderall. Do not tint your eyebrows. No waxing treatments on your eyebrows. No chemical peels, microdermabrasion, microneedling, or any other intense treatment. There's just like a lot. Oh, and no iron supplements, which I'm actually iron deficient and I'm supposed to be taking iron. I don't take it. I probably should, but that was interesting that you can't take it. I'm, I like to know why all for all of these things. So I'll probably do a deep dive after this and look up why all of those things are important. But anyway, I'm babbling. I'm excited to get my eyebrows microbladed tomorrow and show you guys what they look like. Okay, I feel like I've just gone on and on and on about life updates and all of these other things rather than just getting into the episode topic. And I was actually really excited. I still am really excited for this episode topic. So I'm a wedding photographer primarily like that's what I started as I do a lot more brand stuff now I do like other types of photography also um I host events I do a bunch of stuff um but primarily at the moment still am a wedding photographer and as we all know probably with weddings comes a lot of weird traditions that many of us probably don't know the origin of I definitely did not I knew a little something about like the veil and the history of that and obviously why brides wear white and like certain things like that but there's other weird traditions like the bouquet and the bridesmaids dresses and the garter that I feel like nobody ever talks about why we do them they're just a thing that we all kind of do and they're in every single wedding timeline that I that I go to as a wedding photographer well with the exception of the garter toss some people that's kind of becoming more of an outdated thing that I'm seeing I don't know if I'll do one one day I might I might not I don't know sometimes I think it's fun sometimes I think it's weird but yeah there's just a whole bunch of history behind these wedding traditions and it's really interesting so I found an article on I think it's called howstuffworks.com and it goes over like a ton of the wedding traditions that we just kind of see all the time beyond just the veil and the white like wearing white I actually there's a fun there's a fun origin about why brides wear white and like the history of the wedding dress, which I'll cover at the end of this episode. But as far as all of the other little random things go, I wanted to read a little bit of this article for you guys because I definitely got a kick out of it. Okay, let's just start from head to toe and then we'll go into... I'll save the wedding dress for the very end, but there's also something interesting about the honeymoon that I (laughs) did not have any idea about. So first of all, the veil. 
The veil comes from, so in many religions, the veil is a sign of humility and respect before God during a, a religious ceremony. So Queen Victoria and the Victorians turned that reverence into a status symbol. So during the Victorian times when certain archaic customs were formally incorporated into proper weddings, certain attributes of the veil were highly considered as a sign of the bride's status, things like the weight and the length and the quality of the veil. So royal brides would obviously have the longest and like heaviest veils, with along with the longest trains and then the poorer you got like the lower down I guess you were in the socioeconomic line the like smaller and lighter and I guess less quality the veil was the reason why brides wore the veil was because certain families like most families back in the day I don't even know if there was an alternative to this like a lot of marriages were arranged so their families would arrange these marriages and the bride and the groom usually hadn't met each other, hadn't seen each other. And because of certain financial reasons, I forgot, I, I know the bride's family used to have to give a dowry to the groom and the groom's family, but because that they didn't see each other before, the veil was used as a way to assure the groom hadn't seen his bride before the wedding. So he wouldn't be disappointed, which literally is so, that sucks. Like that it just seriously sucks. I don't even know how else to put that. Um, but I guess that's why they used to have it covering the face. And so the groom would unveil her at the altar, which was, I guess, too late for him to turn back. So they would do the vows, make their promises, and then he would unveil her before the wedding, I guess, as they were announced husband and wife. So as far as diamond rings go, that is a relatively new thing. So back in the 12th century, the Pope actually declared that weddings were to be within a church and that the bride was to receive a ring. And over time, that ended up including the husband. So the husband and the wife would wear the circular rings. And that signified, you know, I hear it in every wedding ceremony, there's no beginning and there's no end. And it signifies the love that you have for each other. Yada, yada, yada. But there was no diamond included in that equation. The diamond was actually introduced into the wedding world back in, in the 1970s. A worldwide famous diamond company launched a super, super successful advertising campaign. And the slogan was, a diamond is forever. So that singular advertising campaign convinced every person in essentially the world now, but initially just America, that an engagement should include a diamond engagement ring. And in order to ask someone to get married, you had to give them this diamond. And essentially it's all, it all just kind of like funnels down into this one company that was selling diamonds. It was literally just a way to make money. It was a marketing campaign and they created a parallel between a diamond and love. Diamonds were being pushed as the most romantic purchase a man could make for his lover. <laughs> I'm reading this now from an article from theeyeofjewelry.com. It says, in a 1977 De Beers commercial, there's a black and white video edited with a couple on the beach. The beach and the home look like it could be straight out of the Hamptons or out of Cape Cod, which were places that at the time were considered symbols of wealth and status. The only color throughout the entire film is when the man proposes with a gold solitaire diamond ring. So it's, yeah, 
that's why if you are a fiance and you're looking at the beautiful ring on your finger, you can thank De Beers for putting that idea into the minds of everyone in the United States. Last but not last is actually the honeymoon. So we are all familiar with the honeymoon. Bride and groom have the big old wedding where they spend a whole bunch of money on entertaining everybody else. And then they finally get to take some time for themselves after the wedding. But this tradition actually dates way back to ancient tradition up in like Northern Europe, mostly. I'm seeing a lot of articles reference like Norse culture, Scandinavian culture, um, just like those Northern European areas. So there was something that used to be called, or still today is called, marriage by capture. That doesn't happen so much anymore. I think it's still a thing in some like Um, like maybe Central African tribes and maybe some places across Central Asia. But marriage by capture was something that a groom would do. So he would set his eyes upon the woman that he wanted to marry and he would kidnap her from her family and friends and take her away for like 30 days. And during this kidnapping, she would usually become pregnant and come back and the groom's family would bestow a financial gift or some kind of gift of worth upon the bride's family. So this actually ended up growing into the tradition of the honeymoon today. And actually, I know in a lot of other cultures and maybe some, I hear it sometimes in America, like it's tradition for the bride's family to pay for weddings, but it's actually in German and Scandinavian and those European areas, it's actually culturally normal for the groom's family, if you're talking tradition, to pay for the wedding. So it's really interesting how all of that kind of, there's like this back and forth on who is supposed to pay for it and blah, blah, blah. But over time, the honeymoon graduated, I guess you could say, into something that was fun as we see it today. But before it became what it is today, it used to still involve the taking away of the bride, but it would turn into family and friends kind of searching for them for 30 days and kind of make a fun activity out of it. And if they found them, they would gift them honey wine, which is actually also called mead. So that is where it got the name honeymoon from the honey wine so i actually just realized that that whole last part about the honeymoon was actually recorded with my computer microphone versus my very nice um semi-expensive microphone that i got because it sounds way better i really don't know how that happened i i think i got up to go do something and i came back and I don't know how that happened, but it happened. I don't want to re-record it though because it was some good stuff and I don't think I will be able to say it again without getting it all mixed up. So please forgive me. Um, On to the next. I want to talk about why a bride wears a white wedding dress. So if any of you guys know me, you've probably heard me talk about my sister and my sister is very, very interested in history and she can tell you the stories like all of these histories and traditions without even looking anything up she knows it by heart she's just interested like honestly so into it all and I really really wanted to have her come on for this episode but I was a little last minute in my asking and she is somebody who likes to have all of her notes and she likes to prepare and so she said that next time I have a history episode she'll come on but she wants some heads up because she doesn't want to butcher it, which I respect a person who strives for excellence. I, on the other hand, 
I just found all of these articles because I was looking it up and I was like, oh, this will be fun to do a podcast on. So I'm just going to go ahead and talk about the white wedding dress, even though this dates back to my sister's area of expertise in Victorian European times. But I'm just going to do my best and hopefully you guys think it's cool. So most women way back in the day, I keep saying back in the day, but I don't know exactly how many years ago Queen Victoria got married. Um, But before Queen Victoria, a lot of women would be married in colorful gowns. So they would wear just a plethora of different colors like red, blue, green, all of the happy colors. And if somebody wore white, it was because they were extremely wealthy. It was kind of a symbol of wealth and status since white was so expensive to have cleaned back in those days. So when 20-year-old Queen Victoria was married to Prince Albert, Victoria and her advisors really thought a lot about her wedding dress and the symbolism that it would represent because since she was a queen and since the press and newspapers were such a big part of that day like that that's how news got around it was before cameras so not quite as easy to get certain things around like maybe a white wedding dress like that picture couldn't really float around newspapers were very much prevalent in that time so they knew that whatever she wore it would get around and people would talk about it. So they thought a lot about the symbolism that it would represent. So they ended up deciding that cream satin, she she would wear cream satin to refer to the history um, of the silk industry in London. It was like the historic center of the silk industry. And there was handmade lace on her gown, which that purpose was to boost the lace industry at the time. So some decisions were made, I guess, for the purpose of industries and financial progress. But another fun fact about the lace pattern, it is said to have been destroyed after the wedding so that no one could copy it, which I I still see stuff like that happening now. Like a lot of A lot of brides and a lot of weddings will do everything they can to make their wedding different and unique. And even though the wedding itself is something that is so normal and it's so regular, like so many weddings that I shoot, to be totally honest, yes, they're unique and they're beautiful in their own way, but they are really very similar. Like the whole point of the day is the same. So it's just interesting how even Queen Victoria was like, nope, I want to be different. I don't want anyone to copy me. (laughs) I still see that happening a lot. But anyway, the gown was adorned with orange blossoms and those were a sign of fertility, which I think probably worked because she had nine children and she had an 18 foot long train, which I know earlier I was talking about veils and the length of them signified status and wealth. So that was one of those things that she did just because of her status as queen. She actually did not opt to wear a crown because I I don't know actually why she didn't wear a crown. I know that she was very traditional and very, um, she very much wanted to be a wife in every subservient way. She wanted to forego the crown and she wanted to just kind of like be a wife and not a queen for her wedding. I guess she was sick of being a queen. I really don't know. But instead of a crown, she opted for a flower crown, which was a wreath of more orange blossoms. So super fertile. <laughs> orange blossoms and myrtle. And this flower, this floral crown has been included in every single royal wedding ever since Queen Victoria and Prince Albert's wedding. Um, another fun fact is that she actually proposed to Albert. So because she was a queen... She was already the highest 
she had the highest position of anyone, so it wouldn't have made sense for Prince Albert to propose to her. So she actually had to propose to him, even though she very much aligned with the more traditional like gender roles, I guess. So at a time when white dresses were not the usual, the newspapers and press caused the trend of a white lavish wedding gown to spread like wildfire, and Victoria knew this, her advisors knew this, and so they gave her a wedding dress that would, I guess span the ages now people like if you're in fashion you know what queen victoria's wedding dress looked like it was just like such a statement back then that's all i have for weird wedding traditions i guess they're not really weird now but i guess back then if you're looking at the history and why they are what they are it's interesting to see all of these random wedding traditions coming in coming together in like almost every single wedding that I shoot now, there's usually a garter toss, there's always a bouquet, there's always a white dress, there's like there's other ones that I didn't read, but there's history behind bridesmaids dresses and um, what else? I There's so many other things that I read, but I couldn't fit it all in one podcast. I felt like I would have just gone on and on and, and I don't want this to feel like a history class, but... I figured a lot of you guys right now are wedding photographers listening to this, and I thought it could maybe be interesting. I definitely, definitely get a kick out of it. It's so interesting because now I think of, like, one day when I get married, am I going to want to do all of these things? Like, I probably am going to still want a white wedding dress and a bouquet. I don't know if I'm going to do a garter. Um, Oh, I didn't even tell you guys the history behind the garter. Shoot, I could tell you that right now. I'm just going to do it. So the, the garter, so back when brides would get married back, you know, back in the day, like I keep saying, the bride, the wedding dress was a symbol of good luck to everyone who used to come. So after they said the vows, the bride would kind of dread walking back up the aisle because the guests would rip at her dress to try to get a piece of it for good luck. So by the end of the aisle, the bride's dress was completely ruined. So the tradition of a garter came into play so that it was it was supposed to be just like a piece of the dress that could be thrown at the audience so that they would be satisfied. Whoever got it would just have the good luck versus everybody trying to get at her gown and then her gown is just like ripped to shreds after. But yeah, anyway, that's the one about the garter. I probably won't do that. I think the whole thing is kind of uncomfortable personally but sometimes it's really fun and I see some people do it really well but yeah anyway I hope you guys enjoyed this episode I know it kind of went on and on I did a lot of life updates and I am hoping to have a guest guest come on for next week's episode I have a couple topics that I think would be super interesting but it just depends on who I have come on so stay tuned Um, I'm gonna be posting some things on the reset pod story so I would love if you guys would interact with that and as always if you are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you could just give it a quick five stars if you enjoy it, that just helps so much. So yeah, thank you again so much for listening and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.